Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming back to another episode of our Weld.com podcast. Today, I have with me Chris Ewing. He is a welding instructor and Weld.com advisor. He is from the Detroit area, and he's currently an instructor for Wayne Westland Community Schools and also Lyft in Detroit, and he is a CWI. Thanks for being with us, Chris. Not a problem at all. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so you actually have been with us for a little bit during the course of the year, and you've been an advisor to Web.com, and you recently had um, a guest episode on the podcast with one of your previous students, but why don't you go ahead and give a little background about yourself, about how you got into the welding industry and like what your education was at first? Sure, no problem. Um, I won't bore everybody with the details, with you know every little intimate detail anyway, because honestly, I've been listening through the podcast and I hear some of the other instructors and my story doesn't stray too far from them. I can always find bits and pieces that I um, you know, share with the, the other instructors. I started my welding journey in high school as a junior and senior, um, three hours a day, five days a week for two years. It, it prepares you for you know what comes next. So mm-hmm. won a couple of awards in high school and that landed me an apprenticeship. So I went the, the non-union apprentice route, um, which means I got some community college education as well as some on the job training. Uh, stayed with that company for a number of years uh, before moving on, looking for the opportunity to use both my mind and my body, not just burn wire all day, every day, which was the future I saw at that particular place. So moved on, uh, earned an associate degree at Henry Ford College in, in the area. They didn't actually have a welding tech degree at the time. So my degree is officially in plant maintenance trades. Mm-hmm. Um, but I took every welding class they had there, um, had a couple of certifications along the way, just last year went ahead and earned my CWI so that I didn't have to explain to everybody what qualifies me to be an instructor at the ripe old age of 34. So what has your experience been? You said that you had on the job training and stuff. So could you tell us a little bit about the welding jobs that you've held? Sure. Um, like I said, my apprenticeship was non-union. And in a lot of the union trades that you, you go to the union hall and you get your training, your like book learning there, and then you get your hands-on get dirty training, you know, out in the job field. Well, mine was, you know, I worked my eight, 10, 12 hour days there in the shop. First couple of years, I spent just doing a lot of line burning, CNC, uh, oxy fuel cutting. Um, and at the same time, they paid for me to go to a local community college. So that's instead of getting, um, a journeyman card for being part of the union. I got a certificate from the Department of Labor and I earned some college credits. So that helped when I did decide to go back and get my associate degree, I already had a certain level of credits behind me. Mm -hmm. But that particular job was welding and fabrication combination, um, built test equipment for brakes for trains, planes, and automobiles mostly. So some dynamometers, um, some NVH, like noise canceling chambers. They also did motor lacing machines. So some is my, my particular area there was just the fabrication welding side of it. Uh, being there, I was there for about seven years or so total. Uh, moved on to a tier one automotive supplier. 
where I was working in the fabrication, um, what do they call it, design validation. So basically like pre, pre-prototyping, make 200 of this particular part or seat so they can test it. And there was some welding involved and a lot of assembly, a lot of learning new equipment stuff that I had never done before. So the further and further into my career I got, the more skills I earned, the closer and closer I was getting to an engineering position further away from welding I was getting. And I was learning to like my job less and less. Interesting. So did you, at that point, were you like, what can I do to get back to the welding part? Because is that what you like enjoy doing the most or like what made the decision for you to switch from where you were to being an educator? So I, you know, I, I stayed with that first company for about seven years and that's when I recognized that for me personally, I didn't want to weld every day, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day for my whole career. Um, I felt I had more to offer uh, upstairs than that. Uh, I remember working next to a guy who was a Vietnam vet and he's you know getting into his sixties and he's still doing the same job that I'm doing. And it's like, I, I didn't feel like that was for me. So that's why I moved on looking for uh, some more opportunity. And I thought engineering was going to be the route for me, but engineering was a pendulum swing too far in the other direction. The more I was doing jobs like that, the more I realized I'm sitting at a computer, I'm scheduling work, I got into supervision. And I want to say it was 26 when I got into supervision. And that just led to a whole bunch of issues that I was certainly too young for that position in the company that I was at. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of negativity, but jumped around a little bit, worked at a couple other places, trying to find specifically what it was that I wanted to do when I found an instructor position here at the high school that you know, I went to when I was a, when I was in school, I had opened up. So I'm like, well, you know, I'll apply for that. And I start going through the application process and realize, oh, I don't have a teacher degree. I don't have all of these other credentials. So I stopped filling out the application about halfway through. And a couple of weeks later, the principal of the school actually called me up. I was like, hey, I saw you started filling out this application. Are you interested? Like, yeah, I I mean, I think so. I I took that class in high school. I think I could be good at it, but I don't have all these credentials. This is CTE. We have all kinds of ways around that stuff. So fill out the application, come in for the interview, and let's see how it goes. And that was about three years ago now. So uh, I really feel like I found my passion in the education side of things. It allows me that opportunity to get hands-on, do demos, show students what's up. And at the same time, not be under the hood, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day, uh, feel like I'm giving back. Right. So what have you seen that um, makes them like the most excited to like be learning a trade, like, especially like the students who are just coming into like their first classes or like once you get to watch them in class, like what gets them excited? Yeah, it's been a hard couple of years you know, the last two years dealing with COVID. Last year, we didn't even get into the classroom until three quarters of the way through the year. So I honestly have less returning seniors than I normally would. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's exciting to me, one, to see the ones that stuck it out through the, the online welding class, Mm -hmm. um, to be able to come back in person and get more of that hands-on experience. But we get students from, I just, it's across the gamut, right? We get the students that are um, not doing well in their traditional academic setting. And so the counselors are like, hey, maybe you can support yourself with a trade instead. 
I get students that are here because my class offers a math credit that's required for graduation. So they're like, look, I don't care about welding, but it seemed easier than taking an actual math class. And I get students that are 4.0 students that are like, look, I just don't want to rack up the debt that you know colleges want me to have so I can work my way through college as a welder, or I can forego the college experience or even get scholarships, um, apprenticeships, whatever. But seeing them come in and start out as just a student and then recognize that, hey, there's a future in this, whether it's a part, like one tool in my toolbox, or if it's the entirety of my career, you know, welding is an opportunity to, like I said, I'm, I'm outside the Detroit area. It's not everybody has uh, a very lucrative background or upbringing. So this offers them some opportunities that maybe they hadn't considered in the past. So what has it been like for you? See, so you haven't been a teacher for too, too long. And now that you shared that COVID was obviously a good part of that, you had um, Connor come back. So what was that like seeing a student post-graduation that has went on, got a job, he's making good money, and then you got to see him again? What was that like for you? So all the students still keep in touch, you know, being just one or two years removed. They're in classes together. So the seniors that I have now were juniors last year, were in classes with some of the other seniors. So I, I hear stories about, you know, you get success stories and you get the students that were you know, maybe not paying the most attention in class and they're still not paying the most attention to their future. And you get the ones that were like not paying attention and now they're realizing the opportunity they had here. So it's just like the students coming in, you kind of you, you get all over the, the spectrum with those. Um, the ones that go out into industry, you get kind of the same reports. They're the ones that were dedicated in class. They're dedicated in the, in the real world now. And I mean, you, you're, you're excited and a little bit impressed and proud. I mean, each one of these students that comes out of this class, if they paid attention, they get a certificate that has my name on it. And then they go out into the industry. It's like, you want to know that they're going to perform. So, you know, students like uh, Connor, who joined up with the Boilermakers, like this won't be just a, a one-time interview with them. This will be over the next at least four years as he's an apprentice, tracking his progress, seeing how he's doing, letting him come in and encourage all the other students who are in the same spot that he was six months ago uh, and allowing them to see that yeah, the, the opportunities are real. As long as you put in the effort, you'll get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. So in your area, what kind of jobs are the most popular that your students do go get after school? Like what type of industry? Like I know the automotive industry is really big in the Detroit area, but what are some of the other like market segments they might get a job in? Well, I mean, automotive is by far number one. So, you know, we're one of the manufacturing capitals of the world, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is automotive. So, I mean, directly we have the big three, Ford, Chrysler, um, GM. So those are historically the, you graduate high school, you go get a job on the line, you work there, you know, 40 years and you can retire with a pension and you take care of your family. It doesn't necessarily work that way anymore. So you have to have some sort of training. So I do, you know, students are aware that there are manufacturing jobs out there, but it's not just the automotive market. There's also the suppliers to the automotive market. There's all the steel manufacturing that happens around here. Um, 
it is a heavy manufacturing market. So we focus most heavily on the MIG and TIG just because those are the marketable skills in manufacturing. Uh, it's not to say there is no construction, obviously like counters in the boilermakers, that's going to be heavy into the stick welding. I try and cater the education to what it seems like the student is going out there for. If, if they're here, like I said, for a math credit, you know, I'm not going to spend the same amount of time, effort, energy in that particular student, knowing that, you know, this might just be a hobby for them. This might just be, you know, an interest that they're going to do for one, one uh, school year, and then they're going to take a different uh, career tech class next year. Uh, and then there's the ones that know, like, hey, my dad was a welder, my grandpa was a welder, this, I have this job lined up, can you help me in this particular area? Absolutely. You know, we'll, we'll focus as much as possible on that. So whenever possible, that's what I like to do is focus on what the student already knows that they're going to get into. They have no idea. Well, you know what, we're going to hit all the processes. You might find a niche that you're best at or that you enjoy most. Uh, and the opportunities for welding out here. I mean, we've got union, non-union, um, just about anything you ask. You know, we're surrounded by the Great Lakes. Everybody talks about underwater welding. There is a a school on the west side of the state that does training in that. I have to look up their name. Uh, it escapes me currently. But you know, even that's an option. Bridge inspection, all kinds of stuff to do. That's awesome. I love to hear that. That's really smart that you can personalize like the experience for the student. I haven't heard that too much, but I really like that you do that because it's true that you are going to end up wasting your time and energy and theirs or making them go down a path that they really don't want to be on. So I think that that's really smart the way you do that. One of the first assignments we do, especially for the first year students is tell me what you, what you think welding is and how you expect to use it in your future. And from there, I mean, that's like week one, we start the conversation about, okay, these are the realities. These are maybe some of your misconceptions. Um, this is what you're going to experience in industry. Does this line up with what you currently think it's going to be? Or maybe do we need to change some of your expectations? And then, yeah. I, you, so the state obviously has requirements for you know the, the public school sector for what I have to teach. But just because I have to teach something doesn't mean I have to focus very heavily on any one particular area with any one particular student. Mm-hmm. And I mean, right now I, I have roughly... I have two sessions, an AM and a PM, and roughly 30 students in each. And I'm the only instructor in the room currently. So, I mean, if I can focus more heavily on the ones that know that they want to do this as a career and, you know, push the career training side of it and then, you know, rely maybe on my assistant more for the students that are like, hey, I want to put some stuff together in my garage. I want to be able to make some metal art. You know, every now and then, you know, I'm more into the automotive side, but I need to know how to weld exhaust and stuff. Um, it's not that their education is neglected in any way. It's just catered yeah. more specifically to what it is they want to do. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, because it probably helps them keep their attention. You, like, you, you know, if you start getting too off track of what they want out of it, you'll lose them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, if they want to make art in their garage, they're going to lose interest real quick doing 60 pipe welds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So you have some upcoming videos that you're going to have on world.com in 2022. 
And I just briefly wanted to talk about those because we're going to have you do some flex cord welding. And we had um, a question in our forum about someone who was having trouble mastering uphill MIG welding. So you're going to be doing some videos about those two things. Um, you want to talk a little bit about your experience with um, flux cord welding, since I know you said you did that a lot at one point. Yeah. So um, first, like when it comes to video making, that was a super exciting portion of becoming an advisor with Weld.com. I uh, I like I'm an actor as a hobby, so it's I, I'm super comfortable being in front of the camera and being a little goofy. And then welding really is the one topic of any that I'm qualified to make any conversation on at all. So I, combining those two areas was, was an awesome opportunity for me personally. Uh, the flux cord welding side of it, I did a ton of during my apprenticeship. Like, so we built dynamometers and some of this was like two, two and a half inch thick steel plate being welded to like 12 by six rectangular tubing. And the whole thing was welded solid and the whole thing was welded with flux cord. All of the uh, environmental chambers are basically, I don't remember there being just a standard uh, MIG machine in the shop at all. My bay actually didn't have MIG welder at all. Mine was uh, a stick and TIG welder, old Miller machine. I want to say it's a synchroid, not 100%. But um, I didn't even get a MIG welder in my area at all. It was when I was assisting one of the uh, the other fabricators with some of the heavier equipment that um, just spent a lot of time burning flux core wire. So I'm excited to get back into that because I really haven't done it in some time. So I'm going to be reteaching myself as well as you know, sharing that information with others. So hopefully from that perspective, it works out because like I said, I'll have to look up a lot of this information myself and then be able to share and relay that um, with others. Yeah. And then you are going to have a video with your students. You guys are making a trailer barbecue slash smoker at your school. And you said you partnered up with a local church for that project. Yeah, it was, um, it was actually the church that requested it of me. They had been talking about buying or acquiring somehow some sort of smoker to be able to do community events. Um, they're very much about outreach and getting out into the community. And of course, finding out that I'm a welder fabricator and that there's some possibility that I might be able to help with that. Like, I know you guys did a, a small smoker video recently. I think the propane tank I've got is like a 150-gallon propane tank. And we're going to cut that open and slap it onto a, a trailer and build it out to be a legitimate smoker so that our, you know, my church will be able to go out into the community and outreach and share free food with everyone. And then they have events there at the church to be able to smoke up some briskets and chickens and stuff. And should be a, a fun project to do with the students here in class, as well as a, a nice outreach opportunity. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I can't wait to see it being used. Yeah, I'm I'm nervous. I've never done anything like this in particular. You know, it's going to be out on the road and move around. I mean, I've built big stuff before, but that was, you know, in a fab shop with all this, you know, tools dedicated for building large things. This would be built in the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, And I have a relatively large classroom for a, a high school program. Um, but it's still a little bit intimidating. Like, I don't think anything of this magnitude has been done in here yet. So that 
you know, I, I see little challenges popping up here and there that we're going to have to problem solve our way out of, which could be part of the interesting part. too. Yeah, that's that's the best part is that it's going to bring in fabrication skills. And um, you might have to even go back and listen to my episode that I did with David Dan Barbecue. He actually gave us some tips about everybody thinks like you have to have like a huge smokestack on like your smoker. And he mm-hmm. actually said you do not want it to be. He said you want it to be shorter, like even with the lid, because you want the smoke to go across the top of the food. So if you go back and listen to the episode, if you didn't listen to it, he gave some tips about building the smoker. I'm not sure I did hear that one. I know I've been going back through and uh, catching up on all the previous episodes, but I haven't haven't heard the smoker one yet. Yeah, maybe you have the kids. Maybe you could have the kids listen to it before you guys start the build and ask them if they have any advice about the build. Maybe that might tie it together good. It's a great idea. I think I will do that. So for um, the forum, so I've seen you. You've been quite active on replying to people's questions and we get questions from everybody we get questions from students um, some other instructors have questions or people that are maybe looking to like get a job or hey I've been doing this and I'm having this happen and you've answered quite a bit of questions and if anybody does have any questions where you need technical advice you can get help from our advisors by going to www.weld.com backslash forum and then Chris why don't you give everybody like an idea as to like what what information do you need from them in order to help them the best all right so there's a lot now let's unpack a little bit sorry (laughs) (laughs) you're absolutely right the forum is actually an awesome place and for me in particular um, so I am I work the high school during the day um, I'm currently working five evenings a week, so I am working um, at a job training as well as uh, adjunct to a community college two nights a week currently. Um, so also advising to weld.com, part of that, it's like when I get these weird little in-between times, so I get a lunch break here and there, I got a half an hour here and there, I, it gives me something to do rather than pop up Facebook. You know, I can go onto the weld.com forum and actually assist somebody rather than read somebody's political opinion and just want to argue online for hours. So the, the forum offers me an opportunity to go in, see what people need, um, and, and answer some questions if I feel qualified to do it. Part of the benefit of working with a team being on you know, the well.com advisory team, there's a bunch of us. So there's a whole lot of areas I'm not really that qualified to speak on, or I know that there are other people that are better qualified. So the ones that I can make genuine, honest, real like responses to, I enjoy being able to help people out like that. Um, there's really, it comes down to two main types of questions, like questions that have objective answers and questions that have specific answers. So if, if a, somebody's asking for a very specific answer, sometimes those are easy because I can say, hey, this is exactly the answer you're looking for based on this information i can give you you know charts and graphs and math or whatever needs to happen then there's the objective questions well what's the best welder for this what's the best hood for this those are the ones that everybody can chime in on and at the end of the day it's really it it comes down to what works out best for that particular individual Um, when you're asking a question on the forum absolutely the more information you can provide you know can you give me specifics about your settings what gas you're using uh, 
amperage, your voltage, your wire speed. Can you add pictures of the machine itself? You know, how is it wired in? Are you having electrical flow issues? Uh, there's the, the more information you give to any of us, the more specific our answer can get. And, you know, we can get as close to helping you out as possible. Uh, one of the forum posts, in, and you mentioned that one of the videos I'll be doing is like uphill MIG. And I know, um, you know, there was some other, there's multiple comments on it from multiple people. And one of the beauties of welding is that there's not always just one way to make things work. So you get multiple advisors with multiple perspectives on things. And like that particular um, forum post was asking about a very particular uh, thickness of material. Mm -hmm. And that stood out to me just because, you know, with the AWS sense test, that uphill MIG has to be, you know, it's eighth inch material or 14 gauge material and uphill sucks on that thickness material. I hate it, mm -hmm. but you know, I've proven that you can do the same thing going vertical down, get the same level of penetration. But if WPS says it's got to go up, well, then you got to go up. So, you know, there's, it's interesting to see differing opinions, even on the same subject. Yeah, that's why whenever we were putting together a panel of advisors, I really took that to heart to find people from all over the country and in other countries. And then also people that had different background and different experiences because we really wanted to have the different perspectives because you're right, no, no two welding teachers are going to tell you the same exact way to do it not in not even professionals not even just instructors you know what I mean and I one of the downsides to that in particular is there are instructors out there that will and I've worked with them that tell students so this is how I'm teaching you this is how I want you to do it this is how I want you to learn and then they go off to a job site and that particular job is like well we don't do it that way we will do it this way and we want all of our employees to do it that way so that all of our products look and function the same but you've only been trained that one way. You only know one way and everything else is wrong. It's like, that's, that's never been my perspective on things. If I teach you four ways to do it and you go watch a weld.com video and somebody else tells you to do it differently, you're like, hey, can I try this? Thing? Absolutely. If that works out best for you, do it that way. And then you've got as many skills and techniques and manipulation patterns as possible. Yeah, I think it's better to be prepared with the mindset that there are is not going to be one way, despite whatever you're told, you're going to have to be flexible and you're going to have to see what they want you to do on the job. And you're going to have to accommodate that. Yep. Yeah. So we also wanted to point out that um, we are into 2022 planning. We have plenty of videos scheduled for the first quarter, but if there is anything that anybody would like to see, you guys can definitely reach out to us. You can just inbox us on Instagram, or you can send us an email to um, info at weld.com. And if anybody has an idea for a video, something you haven't seen, something that would be helpful to maybe your class or to you, maybe if you're struggling with something, definitely message us. And then one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Chris, is the position that you have at Lyft as a welding instructor I wanted to touch on what their initiative is there, like what they do. Absolutely. So let me start by saying Lyft is L-I-F-T, Lightweight mm -hmm. Innovations for Tomorrow, not L-Y-F-T. Like I'm not out there Uber driving <laughs> and talking to people's ears off about welding. 
or trying to weld and drive at the same time, which would be an interesting video now that I think <laughs> about it. But no, I actually, I legit had a guy show up into the gated parking lot yelling at me about his app not functioning properly because about, I don't know, a mile and a half from my facility in Corktown, Detroit, mm -hmm. uh, is an actual like Lyft, L-Y-F-T uh, hub of some sort where oh, drivers okay. can go and talk to a human being. So he was very confused when I had no idea what he was talking about and very apologetic when he was done yelling at me. And I explained, no, if you look up, this is not the pink mustache place. Yeah. Oh my so God. Lyft, L-I-F-T, is uh, actually a research and development firm uh, with all kinds of government contracts. And honestly, I can't specify any further what they do beyond that. It's, it's, they are constantly changing and evolving. I've never seen a business move and adapt as quickly as this place. Um, I've been there a little, uh, right around two years now, I think. And over the course of two years, nothing has stayed the same at all, like physically, um, what what's going on inside the building, uh, the initiatives that they have going on. But as far as I'm concerned, as the welding instructor there, um, they've actually had, you know, it started out as four weld cells uh, in partnership with, with Miller to get the equipment in there. We got a very close working relationship with our, our Miller rep in the area. Mm -hmm. um, and it's expanded into, you know, we doubled, doubled the number of cells that we have available. So now I have eight cells available. Um, and the constant investment into all of their programs, um, piloting the Operation Next program in the private sector. Um, that's something that Valencia College and Jason are working with right now as well, the uh, Operation Next program. And that's about getting military veterans uh, transitioned into the private sector. And it offers funding for so many people to be able to come through and get weld training and not just weld training, but they actually offer a CNC program, um, a robotics program, a multi-skilled technician program. Uh, it's tough to be able to get the workforce around here trained up in skills that actually, you know, matter today. Mm -hmm. um, I, know I, I really enjoy being a part of all the programs there. Like I said, being there two years now um, and, and being able to apply that thing that I'm passionate about, you know, teaching the next generation of students in you know, more than one location, especially in an area that, you know, that one is actually in the city of Detroit. Um, we operate also as an AWS sense facility and in the area, at least according to the AWS website, there are no accredited testing facilities. So that's one of the things that's potentially in the works, um, you know, me being a CWI and working with them potentially become the only accredited testing facility in the city of Detroit. So businesses want to send people to get certified to be able to send them over our way you know, and we can help out local businesses and the individuals, you know, getting those certifications as well. So whenever we talk to them about partnering up, we're actually going to have you go there and you'll be able to do some videos, hopefully at their facility and then what I thought would be interesting is to talk about the importance of cross-training and having many skills. Like if you're a welder, not just honing in on your welding skills, but also being open to learning CNC or learning about the different robots and technology that are coming out. So do you want to talk about why that's important? Absolutely. So when I moved on from my apprenticeship to the next company, 
uh, welding became a smaller part of what I did on a daily basis. And basically the further down that engineering rabbit hole I went, the less and less welding was prominent in my day to day. Um, I learned at that point that there, you know, as many instructors would say, it's a tool in the tool belt or a tool in the toolbox. The more tools you have, the more valuable you are, right? So I got to the point where I was writing training manuals for machines that I had basically had to take the initiative to learn and figure out myself. So assembly, um, robotic, like torque management systems that monitor what part and piece you're putting on and making sure that the torque gun is set to the right torque for that spot, making sure that there's a sequential pattern to everything happening, orbital riveting, swedging. Like there were just so many different things that I had never, um, never seen as a welder or a welding student. And then even getting into some of the more machine areas, you know, if you're in a, a union in particular and you're a welder, then you are a welder. You don't, you don't touch any of the machine equipment. So being that non-union route, it was more of a, well, no, if I can learn to do a little bit of CNC programming, you know, first start off doing some manual machining, then learn a little bit of CNC, um, just learning a little bit, not even, you know, being a master of any of it, but enough to be proficient and assist in these other areas, you do make yourself a more valuable individual. Now, my I guess my degree is not officially in welding technology, but in plant maintenance trades. So part of the benefit to that was as a maintenance degree, I had to take a pneumatics class and a hydraulics class. I would have liked to have focused on the PLCs a little bit more. I think that had made me more valuable at the time I was looking around. Mm -hmm. Um, And then robotics, like, you know, people are afraid, I think, even still, that well, robots are going to take over all the welding jobs. And so there's really no part, you know, purpose in becoming a welder. And I don't think that could be further from the truth. I mean, first of all, those machines got to be built. So somebody's got to help build the robots and then somebody's got to help maintain the robots and somebody's got to run the robots. And the best robot, you know, welders that I've worked with, robotic welders, they start out as welders first and then learn the programming side because anybody can learn to program a robot. If you can play a video game, you can learn to program a robot. But all that teaches you is where to send the robot and how fast to move it. It doesn't tell, teach you anything about the welding. So we get all these product recalls on you know stuff that's got garbage welds on. It's because some robot programmer sent it to the right place and put a bad weld on it and had no idea they were making a bad weld because you know they were ignorant in the the classic sense of the word where they just didn't know. You know, if they haven't had that weld training, how are you going to know you're putting a bad weld down? So on the, the flip side of that is if you're a welder and you know what a good weld is and you know the settings that you should have for every particular situation, and then you just have to learn to send a robot to a location and how to move, well, I, the, the end product is going to end up being much better in those circumstances. Right. And realizing if you need to stop, troubleshoot, grind something out, if something's going wrong, you're not going to know what to look for if you're not. And, and that's, and you mentioned the grinding out part, like a lot of people think, oh, well, if it's robotically welded, then they're all perfect, right? Mm, no, there I've done, spent plenty of days repairing all of the bad parts that were you know, made on the robot, or even once it comes out of the fixture on the robot, each one of those gets inspected just in case something happened. You know, maybe something wasn't cut the right size. There's a gap too large. So when that robot goes to do its repetitive weld the same way every time, you know, the conditions were slightly different on that part. So 
there's there's some repair work that's got to get done yeah yeah i think the biggest thing that i've taken away from not only like a robot but automation in general like with like the golco videos we've even done is the efficiency and like the repetitive the repetitiveness of a worker versus a robot like i think paul said it pretty good in a video that i was just re-watching actually is that he was able to keep up i think there was less than a minute difference whenever he did this one it was like a four foot long weld and he did two foot and then the robot did two feet of it and then when you compared it they looked pretty equal but he said but this was me chipper in the morning you know if you put me on a 12 hour shift I don't know if it would look like this 10 hours in and I was like that's exactly right you know and the wear and tear on your body like as you get older do you really want to be like still like hunched over trying to like get into a tight space or would you just like to have that skill in your belt so you can like take it easy on yourself yeah and that's exactly how I felt you know I won't say early on into my apprenticeship, but after I had gone through an apprenticeship and spent some time on the job site and realized, yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily want to do this particular job forever. I don't mind this industry, but I need to find a way to to equalize that. How how much hands-on do I want to be and how much mental task do I want to prepare myself for? So I'm excited that I was able to talk to you. I really appreciate you coming on board with us and being an advisor. And I'm looking forward to watching your videos too. Well, it's been fun so far and I believe it will continue to be fun. And when it's not, well then I'm peacing out from you guys. (laughs) You're funny. Um, Do you want to tell everybody where they can find you on Instagram? Yeah, I am terrible about building my online presence. So I am on Instagram at Shibby Chris. That's S-H-I-B-B-Y-C-H-R-I-S. Um, yeah, I got I to gotta build that online following so that when that next season of Metal Shop Masters comes out, they'll you know be reaching out to me, <laughs> get my, my face out there. Yeah. And if you guys do have any questions, like we said, you can head to the forum and you could post questions there and Chris might be one of the ones replying to you. So thanks for listening and we will catch up with you guys again next week. This week's presenting sponsor is Como Caps. They're a family owned business based in Louisiana and they're well known for their welders caps. They take a lot of pride in inspecting every cap twice before it ships from their facility, and they also do a lot of market research to create new designs to include in their assorted bundles. Our hosts so far have loved the fit and the style, and right now we actually have an exclusive coupon code for you to use at checkout. If you go to www.comocaps, it's C-O-M-E-A-U-X. C-A-P-S dot com and use our code WELD10 at checkout. You'll save 10%. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, 
all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. 